Amen. I've been in leadership uh, for probably the last uh, 15 years and in, in ranging from different um, uh, capacities. This is a sports king, team captain, non-for-profit uh, director, business owner, pastor, to name a few, and, and now a church planner in Oakland, California. The Lord is calling us to as we get ready to move there and going back to the bay in a month from now. And, and if I was honest this morning, the pressing, pressing question that I have and maybe you have and maybe you have asked yourself as leader and maybe this is a thing that goes on and on in your mind, the tape that won't stop, is how do we sit under the weight of the scrutiny of success? How do we sit under the weight without buckling? What does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to be effective? This is what I'm thinking about as I get ready to go to Oakland, California. Will I be successful? Will my ministry grow? Will our ministries grow? And so much seems shifty and changeable, even as we are getting ready to move to D.C. after being here for 20 years. Lord, what do you have in store for us? There's so, much, so many things that seem shifty and changeable, Lord. Lord, we have to deal with the pressures of doubt. We have to deal with the pressures of, of people doubting us and, and us doubting ourselves and, and dealing with the thing of people. People. Lord, help us. This mantle of leadership is it's a, it's a hard mantle. And I know I'm preaching to the choir right now because this is a room full of leaders. I've never seen anything like this in the church in America, how you all have mobilized people to be effective in the work of the ministry. But, but as I'm talking to the choir right now, we, we all would, would, would say here that, that sometimes leadership, it feels more like enslavement as we are enslaved with, to the hopes of success, this thing of success, the scorecards that we go by in, de in developing what it means to be successful, successful. God has sent us as lights in the world, as salt in the world. And if we're going to continue to be effective as ministers of the gospel in the ministry of reconciliation, we have to learn, we have to continue to operate in, in the spirit of freedom and liberation and movement. And so I think that this is what Paul encourages me with this morning as we get ready to go to be on mission in, in Oakland. And that's just the word I want to give you this morning is, hey, what does it, how can we move with the, with the freedom swag that, that Paul was able to move in when he was writing to the, Thessalon uh, the Thessalonians? See, there's certain things that if we want that freedom that we can't be enslaved to. There are certain things that we see in this passage that says that, hey, I, can't, I, I declare right now that I will not be enslaved to certain things in order for me to have a leadership that brings life and has a leadership that says that I am able to be in the ministry for 20, 30, 40, 50 years where I don't burn out, where Jesus is my sustenance and the Spirit is leading me. So I want us to look at four trappings that Paul was not enslaved to this morning if we're going to truly have a liberated leadership. And the first thing I want us to look at is that Paul was not enslaved to ministry manipulations. He was not enslaved to ministry manipulations. You see that in verse 3. He says, for our appeal 
does not spring from error or impurity or any attempts to deceive. I didn't come to you, Thessalonica. I didn't come to this place to to deceive you or with any error. I'm speaking to the integrity of my, my ministry. I didn't come to you with any ill motives or arterial motives. He says that I did not come to you with impurity. This word impurity, it has a sexual connotation. In in the Greco-Roman world, in the occultic system, you have uh, temple prostitutes that will do certain things in order to be connected with the divine. He says that, yo, I don't come like them. I I didn't come to you with impurity. I didn't come to you like the world. I didn't come to you with all of the gimmicks and all of the tricks and all of the shows and all of the stage and, and the like. He said, I didn't come to you with that. I've come to you with honesty. I come to you with all that I have. And, and I, didn't, I don't have much other than the most precious gift that I can offer you. And that's Jesus Christ, the one who sets captive souls free. He says, I didn't come to you like them. During this time, you have people that are always fighting for uh, the people's attentions at the island of, of, of Thessal- uh, for the Thessalonians, fighting for their, uh, their attention, fighting for their loyalty and offering new philosophies and offering new thoughts. And Paul is saying that, no, that's not what I'm doing. I didn't lie to you and say that I came that, to offer you Jesus that you may be rich. I never said, come to Jesus that you may never suffer again. I, I, I never thought, painted a false picture of what Jesus comes to do in the hearts of people. I never painted an attractional picture of come and see the greatest show on earth. Come and see what we can do for you. Come and be a spectator. I'm not here for a show. I'm not here to manipulate you. I come with something real. He says, I don't come with this, you don't have to do anything type of Christianity, just sit back and enjoy the show. He says, I come with something real. His ministry is full of integrity. He was real from the jump. I love this, what Paul is saying, because Paul is most likely addressing a conversation with people accusing Paul of coming in like all the rest of the people and all of the rest of those people that were trying to come in and do stuff and manipulate the people. But Paul says, listen, I don't use the worldly means. He says, we can't use worldly and moral methods and expect godly gains for our ministries. I don't come to trap you or to bait you for my own personal ground. Since I've been here, I've loved to hear, I've been loving hearing all of the stories about the underground. You can't make this stuff up and how the underground is exploding. You can't just diagram that stuff. The spirit has to do some things in order to bring about all the things that's been happening over the last decade or more. And so that is a one that is not set to ministry manipulation, but it's saying that, Lord, I'm giving my ministry to you and I want you to work through it, Lord. I can't manipulate people. It's out of the, the brokenness of, of, of our lives that we say, I offer you, Jesus, that's all I have. We're not called to connive. We're called to create. But, but I love how Paul says, that, listen, this, I didn't come to manipulate. We can't be slaves to, the, to ministry manipulation and putting on shows. No. We're called to give and offer something real. Secondly, Paul says that I'm not enslaved to people-pleasing. 
I'm not enslaved to people pleasing. We see that in verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know. I did not come to please you. I love Paul's boldness in the gospel. I didn't come to please. That is probably the biggest entrapment that the church falls into with the majority uh, methodology that we use in this world and in America is people pleasing. That's an enslavement that's hard to come up under that I want to do things that's going to please people. He says, I didn't come to please you. I came to please God. That's how he's able to go and operate in this, this liberation. In the beginning of verse 4, he says that he's writing, and, and Timothy is, is with him, and Silas is with him, and he's writing. He says that, that, listen, we've been entrusted with the message of the gospel. We've been entrusted with the good news of God. That's the message that I've been, been given to. That's, that's the scorecard that the Lord would judge me by when I see him. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. Not do you like me? Not did you, did you appreciate me? Not did I meet all of your expectations, people? He says that I didn't come for that. I didn't come to please you. Why is this so difficult for the church and for pastors and for ministry leaders why is this so difficult if we were honest this morning? If I was honest this morning, this is difficult even for me while I'm looking at the church. But I don't want to handle anything that's controversial for the first five years of the church plan. I don't want no issues. If there's any issues, I'm like, you know what, just don't worry about it. Let the thing alone. But no, the Lord calls us, he calls us to press into this thing. But it's difficult it's difficult trying our hardest to keep that person from, from leaving our, our, our ministry. Being and doing everything for people so they, so they can think well of us. At all costs, avoiding disappointing people. Am I talking to anybody in this place? Do you know what I'm talking about here? Or becoming unhealthily enmeshed in people's stories by not keeping healthy distance and letting Jesus do what only he can do. Trying to be all things to people in ways that Jesus did not call us to. This is difficult stuff in ministry and that becomes not a ministry of liberation, not a ministry of freedom. It becomes a ministry of enslavement. That the effectiveness of my ministry is going to be based on how well you like me. Paul says, listen, I'm not enslaved to that. When you look at Paul, Paul, he just came from, the, from Philippi and, and, and planting a church in Philippi with Lydia. And, and the man was, was beaten and treated wrongly in Philippi. And, and after he leaves Philippi, he goes over to Thessalonica and he says there, listen, I don't know what, what, what the Lord is going to do there, but, but I'm just going to continue to be faithful and I'm going to do the same thing in, in Thessalonica. I'm not in this thing to please people. I'm in this thing to please God because God has commissioned us. He's commissioned us forward. And this thing that we call soul care, it, it helps to explain why we do this and why we tend to fall in this pitfall when we lead and when we do our various ministries. There are three 
uh, different types of, of capacities or, 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 or uh, areas of life that we operate in, we tend to operate in, as we are leading people. And so, Carol, you call it the, the, um, the core self. Secondly, you call it the, the false self, and then you call it the redeemed self. The core self is, is, is your story, your narrative, and, and how your story has particularly shaped who you are. And, and, and sometimes we see ourselves doing things and making decisions out of that core person. The traumas that we've experienced and, and maybe the habits or things that we tend to do. It, it's coming out of that larger narrative of life, the core self. And then you have the false self. The false self is, is the self that we operate in that in order for people to like us, we're, we're, we're being something that we're, we're, we're not and, and we're, we're doing things that say, hey, that's not me, but I have to be this false person in order for you to like me. And then you have this redeemed self, this self that Jesus has transformed and said that, listen, this is who I have called you to be. This is who I have made you. I've made you this free person to move in my grace and to move out of my love and not to move I'm in condemnation. Therefore, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does that sound familiar? It says that this is what I have called you to do. And so the invitation here is for us as leaders not to operate in a false self, but to operate in a Jesus self, to operate in a spirit self, to operate in a redeemed self. See, that allows us to move with people and to do things with people where we say that, listen, you may not like everything that I do, but I'm doing it because I love you. You may not like everything that I do, but I'm doing it because I have to be healthy and my master is Jesus and I have to be committed to him. Because at the end of the day, when Jesus, when we stand before the Lord, it won't be people saying, well done, good and faithful servant. It's Jesus, our commissioned Savior, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our invitation. I've been in leadership long enough to know that this is one of the things that serves as an anchor that takes us to the bottom of the ocean. And the invitation that we have this morning is to take off that anchor, come up to the top, take in deep breaths of grace and love. Because I found that people, when they see that you're not the, 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 the idol that they have made you to be, that you're not the perfect person that they made you to be, that, that you're not the, the person that sits on the platform of the heart, that, that when you disappoint them, that you're not who, you've, who they made you to be, that they tend to be disappointed and leave you. And so, Lord, give us the strength to stay off of that hamster wheel, to stay away from that trap, Lord, because Jesus in his love for us, he's a better master. He's a loving master. He's one that says that come to me and be a doulos for me. See, people don't realize that in, the, in, in Scripture when the Bible says doulos is a slave, but it's a very particular type of slave. It's a slave that might have gone into subjectivity, gone into enslavement because they owed a debt and they are allowed now to pay that debt off through service. But if the debt has not been fully paid off in a matter of seven years, you have to release the person. But the doula says that, no, I don't want to be released. Can I stay with you? And then they have an earring. And then when you come to the estate and when you go to the place, you know that the doula is there to say that, listen, I'm here by choice. 
I'm here because I want to be connected. I have a good master. And, and the Lord said, it be my doulos. Be my doulos. He says, because even when you disappoint me, I'm going to love you anyway. Even when you sin, I'm going to love you anyway. That, that my grace and, and my love for you is, is deeper than your deepest sin. It's, it's deeper than all of your fear, shame, and guilt. And, and I offer you love and forgiveness. Don't fall for the entrapments of falling under people and making them your master. She said, no, Paul says that I'm able to move like I move with this freedom swag because I'm not enslaved to people. And then he says, and thirdly, we said Paul was not enslaved to stuff. Paul was not enslaved to stuff. We see this in verse 6. Paul says that I did not come with a pretext for greed. God is witness. He says that I didn't come to y'all for money. To make money. Now, if you are in the ministry to make money, you should go back to the person who advised you to do that and get your money back. <laughs> we ain't in this thing for money. We know we ain't in this thing for money. We're in this thing for people. We're in this thing to be faithful to the Lord. We're in this thing because we, we are commissioned people. I'm, he's not tied to stuff. I, I have to be on mission because there is mission. the mission has to get out. The word of God has to get out. Jesus has to be preached to the nations. The gospel must be preached. People must be loved. Greed. It comes about when we see ministry as a, me as a means to meet our excessive desire for wealth and possessions. When Paul is on his deathbed, when he's getting ready to, to face uh, judgment for proclaiming the name of Christ in 2 Timothy, as you all are going to be going through Timothy, he talks about how Demas, how he, he abandoned him in, in his final hour. He abandoned him because of his love for the world. He, he left him. Paul says, no, don't, don't be tied to the love of this world. You can't get in this thing. Loving stuff and possessions. Reminded of the words of our Lord in Luke 12, 15. He says, then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, the success of my ministry. I, I, I say, Lord, help me hold on to this reality. The, the success of my ministry and the success of your ministry is not determined by a, an abundance of possessions. Thank God is not limited by the money in my pocket and the money in my, in my bank account. If that's all that is going to be good for, it's not going to go very far. He says, no, it's not limited to your possessions or the abundance of our buildings or the abundance of our budgets. No, our success is determined by the faithfulness in our callings. That's why I love what Underground is doing. We don't need to be tied to this, to this, this model over here. We don't need to say that you can't have church unless you have brick and mortar. We're not going to say that you have to build big ministry buddies in order for you to have a church. No, let's be the church. Come into my living room. Sit down. Let's break bread together. Let's have communion. Let's encourage one another in the spirit. We don't need all that other stuff in order to be the church. Who said that anyway? Who said that you, who, why do we need to have permission to be the church? 
how brave you all have been to go against the prevailing model in this world. Say, Lord, may I have just as much courage when we go on mission in Oakland. Fourthly, we see Paul was not enslaved to self. We see that he was not enslaved to self. In order to have this liberated leadership, we, we got to get self out of the way. We see that in verse 6. He says, Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. He says, I didn't come to seek your glory. That word glory, doxa, its, it's actual root word, its root meaning means opinion. It carries this connotation of that, that, listen, I didn't come to get a favorable opinion from you. You know, that, that narrative that you think well of me, that you, that you just love me, and, and, and it's all about me, and, and I can't wait to see you, and, and, and I didn't come to just get that platform, get that me, it's all about me. He said, I didn't come for, for that, that dox, I didn't come for your glory, that thing will get you in trouble. I was talking to Brian yesterday, he said, oh, don't let it go to your head, brother. Don't let the ministry success go to your head. Stay humble before the Lord. He says, I didn't come to receive glory from you. And this is what our Lord said in John chapter 7, verse 18. Ain't that what he said? He says that the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own authority. If my ministry is set up to talk about me and how brilliant I am and how great I am, I'm speaking on my own authority and it's just my glory that I'm seeking, not the glory that comes from the Lord. John 5, 4, 44 says this. It says, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another? They do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Who are we leading for? What is a realm? What is realm, the church plant, realm fellowship? Who, what is it being planted for? Whose opinion are we grinding for? He says, is it for the applause of people? Is it for the applause of people? Is it so we could be able to satisfy something in our mind, this vacuum, this gap in our hearts that says that I'm not successful unless I reach this number. I'm not successful unless I see this many. I'm not successful unless I see that many. I, I have to change the scorecard. He says, no, he says, no, we, 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 we do this for the applause of God. That the Lord may look at our ministries and say, I see you. I see, I'm applauding you, my good and faithful servant. This is the John the Baptist type of ministry. This is the Lord, let me get out of the way that you may shine further through. Let me get out of the way. Let me take down my glory and pick up your cross that people may see you, Lord. This is a glory that hurts the flesh. See, not being enslaved to self means a freedom from building platform ministries for personal glory. I didn't get off into this thing, Lord. And Lord, when that flesh rise up, oh, we know it rises up. You ain't even got to say amen. I know it rises up. Amen. When that flesh rises up and said that, Lord, oh, yeah, I get something from this personally. Lord, beat it down. And let us remember what this is about. Out of that 
in getting from up under that enslavement, Paul was then able to be free to do something that, that, that he's, he was called to do in the first place. That brings us to point five, our last point. Paul was then free to lovingly lead. As a result of not being enslaved to all of this other stuff, he was then free to lovingly lead. We see that in verse 7 and 8. What does he say? But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own services, our own selves, excuse me, because you had become very dear to us. He says, I, I, I didn't come for the other stuff. I didn't come for the glory. I didn't come for all that stuff. I came to be with you. And, and, and notice that, that all of the other stuff, that, that, that is, that's, those are ministries that says it's all about me. Paul says that, no, 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 no. I get to change the trajectory. I get to change the conversation to say that, no, it ain't all about me. It's about the Lord. First, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, with everything in you, and then love people as you love yourself. See, when I get myself out of the way, then I'm free. Then I'm free and I'm liberated to love you like I'm supposed to. So as a result of not being a slave to ministry manipulation, people-pleasing stuff and self, I'm freely able to channel the energy of this leadership to what matters more than myself. Paul says, as a result of it not being about me, I can now look at my people and I can now take my ministry and I can now say that I can look at you and actually see you as a person, not as a means to an end, not as a pawn in my whole glory narrative. No, he says, now I can look at you as a person, as a mother does her child. As a mother, when a mother sees her child, she sees a person. She sees the name of that person. She sees the value of that person. She's able to love that person and says that you, he was able to do the same exact thing. This is Romans 9, 2. Paul saying, and listen, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for Israel. I have my heart breaks over the people that God has called me to. It's not about me, it's about them. My heart is breaking for them. My heart is breaking for my city. It's breaking for the ministry that the Lord has given me. And as I've talked to people over the last couple of days, I've, my heart has been set ablaze hearing how your heart breaks for the ministries that the Lord has given you. I'm convicted as I see that, Lord, these are people that mean business. These are people that, whose heart are breaking over women that's trapped in the sex industry. Lord, Freedom, Lord. My heart breaks for them in this Roman 9, Romans 9, 2 sense. For little boys growing up without fathers, my heart breaks for them as I want to tutor them and help to set their life on the right track. Help me, Lord. Their, their hearts break for Haitian women living in America in desperate need of community. Hearts break over people trying to abstain from substance abuse and addiction. Heard the story of a brother out just in call a snippet. Man, you got to be careful when you're dealing with the underground. You, you catch just a lot in one second. Sitting in the truck with Tim, brother talks about how a man, a brother that he was working with in, 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 his, in his organization, in his ministry, just died. Someone that he was working with and, and laboring with and, and loving on and how he has to deal with the grind of ministry. This thing is costly. 
is costly. You, you can't be about you and, and, and have an effective ministry that actually loves people and pours yourself into me. You can't be about you. I can't be about me and have that type of impact. And what did he do? He just got right back into the game. Lord, I, I'm getting right back into this thing. Paul is able to have a heart for people with getting himself out of the way. And, and we also see it, I've seen it in this weekend with leaders that's been used by church machines, used up by the church machine, the big machine of, 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 of big church. And I'm not saying that God can't use other big churches. That's not what I'm saying. But, but we know what it means to be a pawn in this chess game called church ministry. But, but, but as a result of having a love for people, you have things like the underground that says that, listen, we want to be a place that, that liberates people, that, that says that, no, go and do what God has called you to faithfully do. And also pro provide some love and care for people. As I close right now, let me call up the ministers of, of music in this place. Some of us, that means if you play music, come on up. <laughs> I don't know what language I use there. <laughs> this is difficult. I think Paul is writing to something that he knows is a, a tendency or knows is, is a, as a temptation for us all that's taking up the mantle of leadership. It is to, to, to be successful and we tie our ministries to our very identity and Paul offers freedom I love the words that our Lord gives us in Mark chapter 4 verse 26 listen to this this is what I want to leave you with as I take this with me across the country when I just searching and, and I want and desire earnestly the desire this freedom it's not tied to how many people you baptize. It's, tied, it's determined by my faithfulness, this ongoing faithfulness to do what God has called me to do, even in the midnight hour when I don't know if people are noticing, if I don't know if this thing is working, and, and I don't know, and, and people are just leaving and dying on me, and, and people are returning back to the thing that I'm trying to keep them from. Says, Lord, no, it, it's, it's determined by this faithfulness. Jesus says, and this is, the, off, this is the, the breath of fresh air that Jesus offers us in Mark 24, 26. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. He says that the, the man goes to sleep and he wakes up and he sows the seed and and I, and, I, and I believe that there's sometimes in leadership, if I was honest about my own leadership, that, that my leadership has been just determined by my ability to stay awake and just watch what I do and watch how the seeds grow that I'm planting. But we have the picture of the kingdom of God that says that, no, that, that sometimes you need to go to sleep. 
rest in the Lord. When is the last time you've rested in the ministry? When is the last time you went to sleep in the ministry? Or by you resting that you said, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with this thing. I don't know what you're going to do in the life of this person. I don't know what you're going to do with my ministry, but whatever you do, Lord, I know that that it's not me, that I'm just called to sow the seed, and and you're called to to bring about the harvest, Lord, and and I just need to be ready to put the sickle to the harvest because it's harvest time. Lord, help me to rest. And my prayer for you, as well as my prayer for myself, is that you rest, that you sleep, and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Let Jesus bring about what only Jesus can bring about. Underground sleep. Rest. And watch God do a big, a new thing. Let me pray for you and let me pray for myself this morning. Lord, as I get ready in the next month to go to Oakland, California, as people here get ready to be scattered out once again to their churches and to their ministries, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to be enslaved, Lord, to those things that keep us up at night, Lord, those things that keep our bodies riddled with fear and riddled with anxiety, Lord. Help us to rest. Help us to rest in you, Lord. So many leaders are burning out, Lord. So many people are falling from the great mountains that have been built. But Lord, as we take this your church into the new generation, Lord, into the new age, Lord, sustain your people. And Lord, we yearn for liberty and freedom. That's so why I pray that for every person in this room, and I pray that for myself, Lord. I pray these things in the name of the Master who comes to set captives free, not put us into bondage. Take my yoke upon you. It is easy. It is light. Not the yoke of the world that is heavy. Lord, help us. morning to walk in your in your leadership I love that image of free and liberated and confident and I think that bondage that we sometimes step into in our leadership is because we we step at the foot of the cross for our salvation and sometimes we walk away from the foot of the cross in our leadership guys he didn't just he didn't just give his body he didn't just give his blood for the redemption of you uh, for you to put yourself right back in to the same bondage as you lead. Bondage to manipulative practice, to greed, bondage to your own to your own versions of success, your own self. And so this morning we come and we and we lead at the foot of the cross too. We lead liberated by him. On the night he was betrayed took the bread and he broke it he said this is my body broken for you when you eat it you do so in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup he said this cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you 
when you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of me. so this morning as you come, I want you to bring those things, as James was talking, those things that you, that you felt like, Lord, this is for me, this is for me. The way that, the way that I lead under, under wanting to please people, and I feel somehow shackled by that, shackled by that. Or the ways that I lead, and sometimes I look more forward to a check, or something that comes out of it for me praise of people more than the actual work itself and what God is doing. Those things that shackle you in your leadership, would you bring those to the table this morning? Would you give those to Jesus? Say, release me from that. Release me from that. Only you can do it. And may my work be rooted in you and for your glory. This morning, the elements given for you. When you're ready, come and receive.